you are listening to the Physio Accelerator podcast and this week we're doing something slightly different. Trish has recorded so many podcasts this year and she's going to take a little bit of a break until February next year for new episodes. But we do have a few up our sleeves so they will still be coming out. But between now and then, over Christmas, we're going to have a few of the Q&As that we have not uploaded until now. So that'll be October and November. And then next week we've got the new Q&A coming out so make sure to tune in on wednesday december 8th at 6 p.m and we'd love to get your questions as always so head to the facebook group and leave a question if you do have any feedback for the podcast that trish has done she loves to hear from people who listen so if you do have anything to say send an email to team at the physioaccelerator.com or if you're listening on spotify there's actually a place to enter text there as well and if you do have any ideas of podcasts you'd like to be recorded next year any topics you'd like her to expand upon or new topics she hasn't explored then let us know as well at the team at the physioaccelerator.com enjoy today's episode and we'll hopefully see you all on the q a next week and just quickly before the episode gets started i just wanted to apologize for the audio quality of my voice in the this q a i was traveling away from my studio set up at home so Apologies for that, but hopefully you won't notice it after the first little while. Okay, we're live. We're here for our October monthly live Q&A with Trish Rizby Roth. How are you going? Hi, Phil. How are you? Very well. I'm a bit different surround. Good on the mics. If there's any internet issues, I do apologize. This um, setup is not quite as uh, refined as the setup. So uh, I'm going to be back in. Good to have Sydney's a better place with you back here, Phil. Ah, stop it, Trish. <laughs> True. Um, but yeah, and sorry, it is a slightly different time than usual. We've been uh, consistently at 12.15 every fri- um, Friday for the uh, monthly Q&As, but due to some clashes in schedules and just um, this time we're at 10 a.m. And in the coming months, we've got some slight different changes to trial the evening um, session. So. We'll make sure to give you updates about when that will be, but hopefully that will mean just some more people can uh, tune in and ask questions live. If you are watching live, we'd love to get some um, questions in for you. Um, and yeah, the earlier the better for that. But I imagine at 10 a.m., plenty of people will be hard at work uh, seeing patients. So <laughs> yeah, <laughs> so we'll be. It'll be interesting, Phil. In our November one and December, we're going to trial. Um, Wednesdays, I think at 6 p.m. we decided. So, yes. you know, put that in your calendar and see if that works for you guys and, and give us some feedback because um, if if it may, if it really works, then it's, you know, it's something to yeah. think about moving forward. Can't do Tuesday evenings because I'm back doing Twilight Sailing, Phil. So exciting. Things are opening up. Yeah, I'm competitively sailing on Tuesday from evening from the end of end of October, and I'm very excited. I've just been promoted to helm, so steering wheel, scary, scary stuff, but a good challenge. And and what kind of size of boat are we talking here? What are you What are you riding? A thirty-eight Benetton, so one hundred and twenty thousand dollar boat on the water so which I don't know I don't if I'd want to be on the steering wheel <laughs> I, 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 that's, what, that's what my husband said really do you want to take that on so anyway that they'll have a um a helming coach and um yeah it's going to be it's going to be stressful but it's a pivot point I'm, I'm yeah. pivoting 
I'm pivoting with my sailing, Phil. Always trying new things. Love it. And so for those who aren't watching live, hopefully you're on the, the podcast. And if you haven't, if you are watching on Facebook and you haven't checked out our podcast yet, you can uh, find it on any of the major, uh, in, sorry, any of the major podcast platforms or head to physioaccelerator.com slash podcast. And there's heaps of episodes there now because Trish yes. is an absolute machine. And there's just <laughs> been you know, some really good content there. And if you only listen to the first ones, um, then it does take quite a journey throughout the course of the episodes where um, it goes from being a bit about decision making around your career and then into some really um, like practical, applicable clinical stuff. So, uh, and the one unfortunate thing about podcasts is it's hard to get sort of a bit of a two way dialogue there um, because there's no comment sections on podcasts and it's hard to really get much feedback from it. So we would love it if you are listening yeah. and you're getting something out of it or if there's topics that you'd like to hear more about or if you yeah. have any about how to make it better um then yeah we'd love to hear it so uh do let us know and can, you can, I, um, can i just say there it does really help if i get some feedback because i've been doing these this year and um i do feel that that answering that question of why and and how to mentor physios is really important but it's a real one-way dialogue and um you know, I'm based in Sydney and where our practice is was a very hard lockdown. It was a tough time. So when I was having a particularly really tough week, um, instead of doing one podcast, I'd try to make myself do two podcasts so that something positive came out of a really tough week. So yeah. if if they're worthwhile, please let us know because, um, you know, you, you've been... The people I do the podcast for have been on my mind a lot. So um, yeah. hopefully they well, are helping. They've listened to nearly 2,000 times. So there's definitely people who are listening to them. But, yeah, it would be great to have um, yeah, any any feedback because it's, it's nice to know that you're helping people and connecting people. So yeah. um, we can see there are a couple of people watching live. If you are watching live, I'd love to know who you are and where you're watching oh. from. Um, we didn't so. think anybody would track us down at 10 a.m. on a Friday. <laughs> but Please tell us who you are so we can give you a cheer. <laughs> and we do love live questions. So if you do um, have one, make sure to get in early because uh, we do have quite a few things that we want to talk about today. Um, and I will always prioritize getting um, your questions answered. So definitely better to yeah, jump in early. Um, and it's uh, Ajit from Parramatta is saying hi. So thank you for um, saying hi. and for clicking the link, which is on the description, which is- uh, Hey, Arjit, thank you for being here from Parramatta. So, yeah, so he's clicked the link on the description, which means we can see his profile picture and everything as well. Fantastic. So, um, yeah, Arjit, if you do have a question, definitely jump in early, because um, otherwise I can, I'll just hog the, I'll hog mm -hmm. Trish and you, no one else will get a chance. So yeah, jump and in Arjit, <laughs> Arjit, can I say I grew up in, um, in Guildford, I went to high school in Maryland, and our whole family were fanatic Parramatta rugby league fans. So um, you can't take the West out of the girl. Love it. <laughs> Love it. Um, so we're going to talk a bit about um, the mastery program, which has just launched cool. the accelerator. Because yeah, Trish had her first uh, session yesterday on the lumbar spine. So. Um, do you want to give a bit of an insight into how that went and what, what is the mastery program? 
Sure. Um, we've been working on the, I've been working on the vision of the mastery program ever since I did the onboarding program with, with the APA. And the onboarding was to try to synthesize my two-day courses down to really, you know, key pieces that I could squash into assessment, treatment, biomechanics, exercises for each of the five areas of lumbar, lumbar spine, pelvis, hip, thoracic, cervical in about an hour to an hour and a half. So you really could only put in the very, very key points to get a basic scaffolding and a direction for treatment. And so while that was, I think, the, the bones of of the clinical reasoning and, and clinical toolbox that can help. I knew that it wasn't an, the same as a whole two-day course, but the reality is a lot of people can't get to two-day courses, one, for the distance, two, for the money, and over the last two years, COVID, you know, we haven't run virtually any, and so, I have over the last three years been working on the content for this and that's how we met Phil that you did our our beta testing of the program last year which was our our second the first beta testing I did with my practice staff who I was training up last year I did it with you and several others and this year is when we're launching it to the open public and so we um, had a first live Q&A yesterday on the lumbar spine which was recorded well, so if anybody's more than just Q&A uh, demonstration and yeah lesson. yeah no I shouldn't call it Q&A because it was a two a two-hour interactive thing and the lumbar spine for me um having been around and it been my area, area of, of skill for the last 30 years, I, I, and people may shoot me down for this, but I'm going to say it, I'm old enough for people not to be happy if I say something. But I think that what really has been lost in, in describing everything as non-specific low back pain is that then you toss out differential diagnosis, you know, and if we, if you really think about the lumbar spine, there's really seven things that can, can present in a private practice at low back pain. So, and this may look very busy, but this is, I put together a flow chart and I presented this for the first time ever yesterday in the mastery program and you know when you think about it you can get facet and soft tissue pain you can get discal issues acute discal issues you can get nerve root um and and um compression or glide issues you can get bony issues you can get sensitization be that central or peripheral you can get referral from the viscera and you can get complication, pain, influence in lumbar spine from the pelvis. So that's seven different things. And 
non-specific low back pain, you may have generally with that, you're talking about a degree of central or peripheral sensitization. And all those psychosocial things are incredibly important. The pacing, the um, flare-up strategies, the education, the sleep, all of those things. Every patient, I think, with low back pain needs that. But there may be other local generators like facet joint or lumbar spine or stress reactions or systemic inflammatory things. So what I decided with this flow chart, and Phil, you've been instrumental because I did a flow chart for the hip and you said to me, that just makes so much sense with learning. So ever since Phil said that, he said you should do I one for the our, um, our millennial fried brains. We can't kind of follow anything for too long. So having something really visual and just uh, like concise and <laughs> directive, definitely, yeah, I just found that so helpful for, because yeah, as you just pointed out with all those different um, potential factors that can influence pain, like you can just get so lost trying to follow all those streams out. So yeah, I found your flow charts so helpful. Yeah. And then what I did with this is I synthesised it down to what are the key assessment findings that send you in certain directions because, and then what are your key treatment strategies? And just key, like a couple of two or three things that start saying, oh, look, I'm going down this way. It looks like they've got some peripheral sensitisation, but, but they also are a um, cricketer and they seem to have some facet joint kind of quadrant pain and and maybe you know they're getting some bony overload when you're looking at their their throwing biomechanics because the pain is on the the contralateral side to their throwing arm do you know and then you can say okay well we've got we've got two streams here that i'm going to focus on both of these and in the first four weeks work on those and look at what our goals are in four weeks, reassess where we're going. Do you know, but it gives you a game plan instead of thinking, oh, my goodness, it could be seven things. I have no idea. So we'll pretend to not look at any of them and just go really general, do you know? Um, and But saying that, I don't want to underplay the real importance of the biopsychosocial. Like someone in the initial session needs to go out with a flare-up strategy. They need to go go out with, you know, being less catastrophizing than when they came in. But I just think putting back some real differential clinical reasoning, I think, is is really needed to to give a balance to the picture. Because whether you like it or not, in private practice and Phil, I know you've been working in private practice a bit, low back pain is something you see a lot. Yeah, it's much simpler just to say non-specific lower back pain if you Yeah, but actually it's interesting, and I've been working with one of the, the younger physios who's working with me. It's actually, it's why I'm still a physio 30 years on. If you start being like a physio detective where you think, okay, I'll ask these these five questions. Okay, ah, oh, these two are really positive. Let's uh, let's test these things. Ah, oh, they fit with that clinical picture. Ah, oh, they go with the history. Okay, and there might be um, 
you know, I like the word, instead of chronic pain, I really like the word of persistent pain because, um, you know, I've seen from failed surgery true to Olympic athletes. And by the time an Olympic athlete gets to me, they have persistent pain. They've usually had their pain, if, if not for 12 months, two years, three years, and they've got to the stage where they've seen lots of physios and everything's failing. So every Olympic elite athlete I've ever treated is a biopsychosocial issue. You know, but if I said to them, you know, I know you're, I know you're an Olympic um, ski jumper, but I think you've got non-specific low back pain, they would probably spit in my face and walk out the door. Yeah. You know, whereas if I say to them, what's going on is multifactorial. You know, you've been compensating for this for a long period of time. Let's look at if there's any local generators, but we also have to look at how you've compensated and and really get you back to the movement patterns you need and confidence in those movement patterns. And we need to do it in a paced up, structural, gradual, loaded way. So if we look at those three, those few pieces of the puzzle and we have achievable goals, then we're looking at all pieces of the puzzle. And saying it like that, the Olympic athlete will say, okay, I'll do whatever you want. Just get me started. Give me a game plan. I don't care if it's six months. You see, it's just yeah, that, that plan has a such a powerful impact on the patients. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and it's the words you use, like chronic pain compared to persistent pain, um, non-specific low back pain to multifactorial back pain. There's lots of things that are feeding into this back pain that you've got. Yeah. And then I'll both, say, I guess both the ones that you're using sound like there's more you can sort of do about it than yeah. the vagueness of chronic and the vagueness of, of non-specific. So, yeah. yeah. And you have to realise that I've been around long enough. We never used to use the word chronic back pain with the patient. Just as I've never used the word non-specific low back pain, I would say um, ongoing, I understand you've had ongoing low back pain. See, that's the difference. It's like ongoing means you've been putting up with this for a long time. Chronic means, yeah. sorry, mate. Yeah. <laughs> it's not going to get better. Yeah. And, and you know, multifactorial means, well, subliminally, if I say, look, there's quite a few factors that we need to work on. You've got multifactorial low back pain and we need to look at this, 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 you know. They're like, okay, it's multifactorial. It's more than one thing. That's why it hasn't got better. Okay, I, I probably do have to look at how much exercise might I do lose a bit of weight, sleep better. Okay, multifactorial. Um, yeah. You know, so those words, I think, we, the, unfortunately, some of those words, chronic pain and and non-specific low back pain, have come from research, and our patients aren't reading research. You know, they don't they don't Google, do I have non-specific low back pain? 
you know. So I think I, I think you, you use the same research, but you mould it. And we talk about that in the mastery program, you know, that yeah, creates... That. And, Go on. Yeah, and just like, I think this is such a useful um, thing for everyone to, to understand. And just before we do... Um, go on, I can, uh, Ajit has just said, uh, hopefully we can see some live games soon, talking about your, um, the Parramatta Football Club, so. Yeah, is, is that <laughs> coming today? Is he coming? And, uh, I'm not sure about if he's going to the live games, but yeah, if, I've seen there are a few people that have jumped on live and uh, yeah, we would love your questions and even if you don't um, ask a question, maybe even just hitting the like button just so we know you're, you know, engaged and uh, enjoying what you're doing. Um, I did want to continue on with that um, background side of things. I'm definitely getting some really great tips out of it. And I hope you guys at home are too. Um, but yeah, with the in terms of diagnosis and, and coming to those different parts of your flow chart that you have, uh, how much of it do you think comes down to the subjective history? How much to the objective? And then how much say to imaging? Like, is there do you weight any parts of those higher? Because I think in the old school approach of being quite specific about things, we maybe think that all comes down to either objective or imaging yeah. first yeah. very really good i would say in my clinical experience and with the flow chart it's it's almost it's been reversed so your imaging comes in last because there's so many false positives on imaging particularly if you're someone of my age do you know so when i see a patient and they come in with all of their scans i'll say that's great. It looks like you've had a lot of scan investigation. How about we'll put those down here and I'm going to spend this hour really focusing on listening to you, looking functionally how you move and doing some specific tests. And then I'll tell you what I think are the factors feeding into your problem. And then we can look at your scans at the very end. And when you do it that way, it's... You, they sit back in the chairs like, oh, someone's going to actually focus on me and not focus on the scans. Are you kidding? Oh, man, I'm, I found the right place. So with two minutes, it's like you've got them. They'll do anything for you in this hour. You can't flare them up in this hour, but if you don't, if you don't break it in this hour, you've got them on board, <laughs> you know. So don't flare an acute lumbar spine is what I would say, having done it in the past. Um, so, and you'll see in this key assessment, I'll usually the number one thing, subjective assessment is pivotal because they will tell you things that you can't objectively assess. Things like, um, for example, I've had a, a patient with um, irritable bowel syndrome and they had back pain, but, but they also said things to me like, when I, after I've gone to the toilet, use my bowels, it eases my back pain. Now, I couldn't have assessed that, but that told me that their irritable bowel syndrome is affecting what's happening in their back. Now, is that because it's nerve sensitization? Is that a systemic inflammatory condition that does come with irritable bowel? I can't say, but what, what it tells me is 
we need to take you, send you back to your GP and say, while I'm working on their low back, the, their bowel issue is referring to their back pain. Um, you know, things like that. pause you there for a second, just to um, say hello to Monica Verma, who's uh, watching live and said, that's all right, Trish, you want to treat people and not just the scans in reference to your... Yeah, Monica, where... Yeah, and I think, I think we all, you know, we all want to do that. That's why we're physios. If we wanted to treat yeah. the scan, we would become a radiographer. Yeah, I'm so excited about seeing people again because, yeah, I haven't been working. I've been doing some telehealth apart from that. Just haven't been around people. And it's, yeah, it reminds me of being a physio and going, I've just started a new job at a, a larger physio practice one day a week. And, oh, man, it's just, it reminds me why you get into it. It's just that, yeah. I think the all energy. People, 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 people. people. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and I've, I've noticed um, because we're in a red lockdown area, not anymore, we're, we're free. Um, but my secretary, I have a wonderful secretary, and uh, when I was there this week and you could hear her talking to people in the waiting room and laughter, communal yeah. laughter, I realised, oh, my God, communal laughter. You don't realise how beautiful yeah. it is until it's taken away. You know, we are we are a communal being. So yeah. anyway... I better go back to finishing yeah. your question. Yeah. And then the next one is key assessment. And I think if you get the right, ask the right key questions in your subjective, which I put in this flow chart, all of a sudden that starts narrowing down what is your key assessment strategies. Do you know? Because if someone's looking like, if they're telling you things like canal stenosis, things like when... I get pain walking up hills, but if I sit down and slouch, all my pain goes away. That's a very different presentation to I, my back pain is worst after I've done a lot of, um, um, you know, bowling, fast bowling in cricket. So after I've had a big comp day, my back really aches at night and the only thing that relieves it a bit is flexing forward but it's really bad in the middle of the night that's can you see instantly that's a very different you know they may both need a bit of flexion to help them but it's a very different presentation so i would be looking at at functional extension um looking at the test for stress reactions in the cricketer, I would be looking at at tests for objective tests for canal stenosis and and functionally how to adjust their exercise and lifestyle for the other one. But so can you see by putting those together and at the end if you've assessed it all, you know, you, you key assessment you probably would have worked out if they did have a stress reaction because it's point tender. Um, in extension, and there's quite key things. Whereas in canal stenosis, it's very often, you know, you put them in certain positions and it relieves their pain. So, so I think subjective becomes the most important. So I think we turn the pyramid upside down. So you've got subjective, key objective, scan findings. Yeah, and I think like 
coming from someone who's graduated fairly recently, like they put lots of focus on the subjective, which I think is, is excellent. But then also, I guess, then also kind of going into that non-specific diagnosis. And so I guess just it, it, it's good to hear that, you know, you're, you agree on that sort of subjective side of things being um, the key, but then just trying to take out those key little parts that give us clues about um, yeah. exactly what's going on. Yeah, and the subjective gives you a lot of insight into the psychosocial side of things. Yeah. Because what when you're talking to them, what concerns them the most is going to be the things that come out, you know. They'll say things like, oh, you know, I wake up, like the pain wakes me up at 3 a.m. in the morning and I can't get back to sleep. So, you know, I'm not sleeping, um, you know, I'm not the normal person I am, you know. Often you get those, those psychosocial things or things like, oh, you know, I've had this pain and, and it's been so debilitating. So I don't, I don't go to the pub anymore and see my mates. I don't play soccer anymore. You know, I'm not even gardening anymore. And you get that idea that they've just limited their activity. And I think um, often talking to them and saying, what things have, have you lost from your life or what things do you feel you're missing out on because of what's happening is, is a less confronting question than do you think you're depressed, you know, do you think you have kinesiophobia or do you think you're hypervigilant, you know, um, and I think it's taking it away from those clinical terms and just trying to direct, get them to say what what is concerning them. And don't be scared if they start to cry because it sounds terrible, but although I, we have a pack of tissues and usually when I say to people that, and I say, what what has this impact has this had on your life or what has, has got been taken away that we can work on? People will start talking and then they'll start tearing up and they'll say, oh, no one's ever asked me how it's affected me, you know. Yeah. Um, but the only trouble is if you're going to have that conversation, don't have it in a 20-minute session because as soon as you have to bring out the tissues, then you've got to, Settle you know, <laughs> you've got to chill for a bit, you know. I know with yeah. some of the videos who work with me, they say, oh, yeah, I had a I had a couple of cries today, you know. Oh, yeah. So ask those questions in your longer initial assessment, I think. Yeah, love it. Um, just before we do, I, I do have a, a, a couple more questions on this because I'm like I'm learning a lot today, which has been great. Um, yeah, just before we do, we do have a few free resources on the website. So if you go across to the physioaccelerator.com and then forward slash free dash resources, there's a bit of a guide to um, an initial uh, series of consults that Trish has put together just to give you that little bit of a, in the same way that you've got a diagnostic framework for the different types of back pain. This just gives you a bit of a plan. You don't, you know, it doesn't mean it's a recipe, but um, that you have to follow exactly. But just some ideas about how you can structure your first um, series of sessions. And I think having that, like those key little things, like really trying to get that flare up strategy in early and um, and then having a kind of progressive, um, active approach to rehab afterwards. So it's a really useful document, just a nice little PDF that can give you that bit of guidance. And if you're like, oh, I've seen this person five times, where should I be at by now? Um, this is a really handy document. So um, yeah, I'll, there'll be links to that in the 
podcast description if you're watching there. And otherwise, yeah, head across to the website, thephysioaccelerator.com, and check out what's there. And while you're there, you can see the courses that we do have available. So there's been the onboarding and the mastery, um, which we've been chatting about today. Um, and you can find out um, more on our website. But if you do have any questions, make sure to um, email us or, or message us on Facebook and we can clear anything up there. Um, just on uh, that, again, going back to sort of specific um, factors, like multifactorial versus non-specific, when you are kind of getting an idea about which structures are involved in the back pain, do you then communicate those structures to your patients or is that more for you? Like, are you saying yeah. it's multifactorial, you're likely to be facet joint? Like, does that mean anything to the patient? Or are you just like, okay, it's multifactorial for the patient, but for me, I know that because of these structures, I'm going to go in these directions. Yeah. Yeah. I usually keep it really simple because talking about structures, I think, can scare people. So what I'll say to them is, um, usually I do a functional movement assessment. So I'll usually say to them, I'm going to really look at you and I'm going to do lots of different tests and and look at how your whole system works together. And then at the end of all these assessments, um, I'll put down what I think are the main few factors that we need to work on and I'll, pri I'll tell you what's our priority from one to three. But I'm not going to talk you through every single test. Is that okay with you? Um, and they'll say, yeah. And I'll genuinely say yes. But, but you know, you get those hypervigilant ones that you're assessing something and it's a bit different on one side versus the other. And I say, is that bad? Is that bad? And I'll say, nothing is bad unless I say, oh, that's bad. So if I say, oh, that's bad, that means it's bad. Otherwise, no. It's just how your body's moving and I'm putting the pieces of the puzzle together. As, as a matter of interest, how often do you say, oh, that's bad? Oh, very rarely. <laughs> well, I've said it I've said it a couple of times. The, the two that I can think of, the two of, of I can think of was one who was a surfer who had a bacterial infection in his disc and he came in yeah. and he had bilateral straight leg raise of 15 degrees, a raging temperature and could hardly move. And I said to him, this is bad. <laughs> and the other one was um, a mum of two kids who'd had really chronic low back pain that had got really bad, had had years of treatment that hadn't got any better. And um, I saw her and she had a lot of psychosocial issues and we got her her. Um, I sent her to a GP and the GP put her on some, some medication. And when she came back to me, she her pain was the same, but she was very depressed. And then when I started assessing her, she said to me, if you can't give me a solution for my life by the end of this session, I may go out and walk under a bus. So, so I just laid her on the bed. And I sat on the floor and we just talked for the hour and I it rang, rang a doctor, a specialist, and we got her into a, a psych hospital and she'd had a rebound to the antidepressants that she'd gone the other way and she was then suicidal. She now has no back pain and has done really well. We worked through all of her back pain, but it was getting on top of that 
depression. So there's a couple of times I can think, and I, I said to her, look, this is really bad. Not your back pain, we can get on top of that. But yeah. if you step under a bus, we can't fix that. So we need to fix. So there has been some, a couple of times, very rare, very rare. Okay, cool. Uh, but I like that as a, as a way of getting your patients just to settle down and think like, okay, if they're not saying it's bad, then I'll just, <laughs> yeah, turn everything down. Uh, that did make me think uh, during the week of, I was kind of thinking about like my new experience in this new clinic where I'm definitely seeing like a generally less healthy population I'm used to and I'm now terrified of missing something kind of like, you know, mm -hmm. systemic specific health related. Um, and I was thinking it'd be really kind of cool to do a like red flag or like something um, like specific patients you've had like case studies and kind of talk yes, through some sure. like just patients throughout your your career or, or ones that you've heard about through from your colleagues and talk about like what were the warning signs and how to how it ended up because I think as an early career physio that's one of the scariest things is like yes. you know, if someone takes like four weeks to get past a calf injury instead of three then bummer but if you miss something serious like that and, yeah. and, and you have bad outcomes like I just think that's one of the biggest points of stress for for me as an early career physio so I know that yeah. uh, you know don't want to and I don't know how, maybe we could do this as like a occasional style of podcast episodes, but if you are watching live and, or if you're watching on the, listening on the podcast and you do think that would be a worthwhile thing, then um, yeah, let us know because I'm hesitant to add more workload for on Trish because uh, <laughs> she already does so much. But um, I think personally that could be quite a, a useful thing for yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, of any can stage. I, can I give you one, a couple of really... I've just lost your audio. I'm not sure if that's on oh. my end or if it's on yours is it coming back um that's a shame i'm just going to jump across to the facebook page and see if it's uh if it's me or what's going on there why are you me? we're both good phil phil my husband is telling me that we're both good so are you there this is my techie. You can see. Stick your head in, Phil. Strange. Maybe it's no I'll try it. This is my husband, Phil. He hates being in the camera. <laughs> Apparently, you're good, Phil. You can just keep talking. Can you hear me? Now I can't hear you. What happened? Can you hear me? Talk, Phil. Talk, and I'll see if I can hear you. Can you hear me? Yeah. Okay. While we're waiting for Phil to sort out his problems, systemic issues in low back pain is really, really important. Some key questions is if they come in and talk about low back pain, a good question if you're looking for systemic issues is to ask, Three, I think three main questions. The first is this pain that you've got, have you had a similar type of pain in other areas of your body in the past few years? And very often they'll say, yeah, actually I had it in my shoulder and then that got better and then I had a period in my left calf and that got better and now I've got it in my lumbar spine where, where the pain has been moving around in, in their past history. So that is that is really key. The other thing is 
to ask them, try to pin down if their pain is related to load or to function. Because if they have a systemic issue going on, very often it's not directly related to a movement pattern or to loading, but it's like some days it's just really bad and then other days it disappears. And sometimes if I've eaten the wrong thing, it seems to flare it up. Um, or if I've had a night out on the town and I've drunk quite a bit, my back pain is worse the next day. They're all key systemic questions. And the final one is, is there any other health issues in your past history or in your family's past history? And some of the key ones to really think about is ankylosing spondylitis, sacroiliitis, uh, irritable bowel syndrome, uh, EDS. I can never say that word. Phil, are you back? I think so. Can you hear me? Oh, you're back. He's back. That's good. <laughs> <laughs> How do you say Enlon, Elon Denlos syndrome? Uh, Elon Denlos syndrome. Yeah, that's it. How come you can always say it? I can't. Yeah. So, I have a friend who always talks about And also um, things like endometriosis and um, polycystic ovaries. Those type of things, if they're in the family or in their past history, they have very clear medical evidence that they have an inflammatory, they can have an inflammatory effect. And so I think if they're in their past history, then you always have to have systemic inflammatory sitting there. Doesn't mean you have to address it, but it always has to be a circle on your flowchart. And I'll say to people, if we're going on, like we're going to work functionally and get you back and pace you back into activities. But if we keep hitting a hurdle that we're unable to get over, then we may talk to your GP about, um, you know, what other things we can put into, into your, your clinical plan to help, give you a window of opportunity to get really functional and confident again. Nice. Thanks for taking the reins there. Well, I have no idea what just happened. <laughs> what everything went dark Phil's in the background here going, keep going, keep going. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, out there, I hope I did an okay job of just yeah, But I think, um, so with, if we're looking at uh, people wanting to know more about that style of things, would that level of detail be in onboarding or would that be more in the mastery no, program? That's in, that's in the mastery. And even though we, we've started, I had my first um intensive one yesterday we've recorded it all and it's all there and you'll be able to go through it all at your own pace and there's always opportunities to speak live and ask questions and i actually think for anyone who's done the onboarding um we have a special we have a special don't we feel for those yeah price um, yeah so basically if you've done the onboarding then that um will have a discount effect on then upgrading to the mastery and going on through there. But we'll have emails coming out in the next few days about exactly how that works. So, um, okay. so yeah, That's not my area of expertise. My area of expertise is talking, so. 
Yeah, well, you've got a, another chance to talk here because Monica Vam has asked a, um, a question saying, mm -hmm. how frequently would you assess their breathing patterns if they're presenting with chronic back or neck pain? Oh, Monica, that's a wonderful question. You obviously treat the person. We look at breathing patterns really early um, because there's so there's breathing and how people breathe is so multifactorial and and spans different functional issues. So, a lot of people with low back pain will split with their diaphragm, and then really use upper upper lung breathing and you get that whole co-contraction and often they're those people that you have to try to down regulate what's happening in their system to be able to get them to kind of start functioning and moving and just letting go a little bit and there's re there's quite good research that shows that diaphragmatic breathing is really good to calm the system you know, it's why mindfulness and meditation helps. But also there's fairly recent evidence that diaphragmatic breathing stimulates your parasympathetic nervous system. And a lot of these people in pain are upregulated in their sympathetic nervous system. So getting them to focus on, on diaphragmatic breathing. And the other thing that sometimes I'll put with that is we'll do diaphragmatic breathing and there's then just getting them to gently move their pelvis forward and back and go gently from anterior to posterior pelvic tilt after they've done their breathing, just to try to get them that feeling of relaxed movement through their spine because often they've lost that feeling. And in those early stages of low back pain, not if they're, they've got an acute list, that will, in those early days, those kind of movements may irritate them, but but other which are kind of more um, persistent or, or ongoing, those two can really be a great start for their flare-up strategy. And I get them to do it at night before they go to, to bed. And when they wake up in the morning, in, in the middle of the night with pain, I'll get them up, they walk around, have a drink of water, and then go back to bed and do their breathing exercises and they're tilting and they'll often say they've fallen off to sleep, you know. So really what I'm doing is coming from a physio more to a where meditation's trying to get them back to sleep. So Yeah, nice. And thank you for asking a, a question there, Verma. And thanks to Tracy letting know that um that she could hear us while my technology oh, just failed. So <laughs> thanks for that Tracy. Appreciate it. Thank um, you. Sorry. We're about to finish up. So if you are someone who takes a bit of a time to warm up to the idea of asking a question, now is your last chance um, before we finish up. And uh, Monica's just said, that's perfect. Thank you. Very well explained. Um, yeah, because we'll, we'll be finishing up uh, pretty soon. But yeah, we'll be back again in November on a Wednesday evening and um, again in December on a Wednesday evening. So really appreciate you guys for tuning in on the um, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, I know it's a bit of a uh, different time, but it seems like works for a few people. I know in my clinic, it's often the kind of harder times just to fit those sort of mid morning and mid afternoon because people like to come in early uh, lunchtime or uh, or later in the day. So it's generally a pretty good time for me. But yeah, good to um, see that. And yeah, hopefully the 6pm will, will work out well for you guys as well uh, in a month's time, uh, which gives you plenty of time to, to get a question in. I'm, I'm sure that, that 
you know, the, anything you like in your physio life that um, whether it's about the, your career or about a specific patient. So I feel like we just love to um, yeah, tap into that that wonderful brain of Trish and um, draw out these really useful hard-won lessons of um, best ways to do things. So, um, And if you are looking for inspiration of what to ask, then definitely the podcast is a great way to start. There's over 40 She's recorded over 40 episodes, but I think there's 30-something, 30 34 up already um, across a broad range of, of topics. Um, and there's um, every time I listen to one of them, there's always more I want to dive into. So, um, yeah, definitely when you listen to them, note down um, like any questions you have from there. And this is a great opportunity to, uh, to get them. But, yeah, thanks for um, tuning in live, guys. Any parting remarks, Trish, before we wrap it up? Well, just to reiterate about the Mastery of the Lumbar Spine program, just go on to the website and have a look because um, it's we're doing Lumbar Spine now and then the beginning of next year we're really diving into the Pelvis and SIJ. And I think to really get the best out of Pelvis SIJ, it's, it's, it sits alone, but the Lumbar Spine really feeds well yeah. into it. So do you want to just quickly outline the different topics you will be covering in your mastery to give a yeah yeah so the lumbar spine one goes over you know generally it goes over about eight weeks so you can do the blended learning at your own pace but then we have live interactive periods where we come together for a couple of hours and talk about things and demonstrate what people haven't understood or ask extended questions and so generally it's about over eight weeks for the lumbar spine then early next year it will be the pelvis and sij for um, the first couple of months and then probably we will decide what what the group wants we'll either start with um thoracic spine then cervical spine then hip or we might do it the other way around seeing so we've done the pelvis we may do the hip and then the thoracic spine and the cervical spine we'll see what we'll see what the the team the people that we're mentoring through want yeah and so just to be specific there with the idea of blended learning that that's the online videos that people can uh can watch to to get that sort of whenever you like fit it into your own schedule loads of things and then there's the interactive sessions where you uh, can have that um, where Trish will be demonstrating um, on her end and then you guys can uh, work on, on skills, ideally with other people in, your, um, in the clinic. That works, that works really well, doing it with someone else. And we, we last year had friends who sat together, you know, physios. We had a whole group from, from New Zealand and some of them were in clinics together and others were just friends who would get together for that live Q&A and then if they wanted to practice something, they could practice on each other. So if you are interested in this, like it might be worth talking to the other people in your clinic or other physios that you studied with or friends or colleagues that um, you could do it with because it does make such a big difference, particularly when you are practicing those um, those practical skills. Uh, it really does help having someone there because you could, whenever you watch it, it's always like, oh, yeah, I could do that. But then when you get with it, there, you're like, what am I doing with my hands? Which way was yeah. Trish? <laughs> yeah. 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 And physios are kinesthetic learners. Like you can hear it, but if you then do it straight after, I think you imprint it on your brain. And we have several clinics where um, the clinic owner is doing it with the whole practice. 
So they do the online as their tutorial and then the practice comes together for the live Q&A. So that's even something if you're interested talking to the, the, the practice owners that you work yeah. with because it's worked for us dramatically well. And then just specifics with how the, the kind of products worked, um, can people sign up for just the lumbar spine and leave it at that or is it going on with the whole year of yeah. programs? Yeah, you could just sign up for the lumbar spine and see how you like it. And then if you have done that and you decide that you want to do the whole program, then there'll be a special discounted price for those who have done one. But you can just do one. That's no problem at all. Mm. Okay. Um, well, if anyone does have any other questions about that, then definitely send an email to team at thephysioaccelerator.com um, or send a message through Facebook, whatever you like, just get in touch and we'll um, point you in the right direction. Um, and if you do want to uh, check it out and find out more, go to thephysioaccelerator.com slash course or just hit the big courses button. You can't miss it. Um, yeah, but we'll finish up there today. Thank you so much for everyone tuning in live and thank you for your time, Trish. I, I feel like it's a, such a treat for me to be able to, um, yeah, learn from you every 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 month like this. So I hope other people really make that. Yeah, but it's it's mutual, Phil. You um you inspire me all the time. I always you twist my brain to make me think differently. So yeah. I appreciate that. And Monica has just said uh, thank you, Phil and Trish. Great start to a morning. Really appreciate it. Oh. Monica, hopefully I can see you face to face sometime again. Yeah, won't that, that be exciting in the next couple of weeks? It's going to be mm, good. Welcome. All right, guys, thanks for tuching in. And, um, yeah, we'll see you next month. Uh, keep an eye on the uh, Facebook page and Instagram. If you aren't already following it, that's probably the easiest way to get updates on when the next live streams are and what, what courses are coming out. Um, and otherwise, if you're not subscribed to the email list, that's where you also get updates. So you can go into our website and pop in your email and you'll always be up to date with what we're doing. Great. Well, you have a great day, Trish, and uh, I'm excited to how you go on the helm. I'm going to visit a friend at the beach, Phil. I'm so excited. <laughs> I haven't been to the beach for so long. Sounds good. All right. We'll talk okay. to you soon. Bye, everyone. Take care. Bye. Thanks for listening to today's podcast. Just a reminder that our next Q&A is coming up next week on Wednesday, the 8th of December at 6pm. We'd love to see you there and we'd love to get any questions you have in early. So head across to the Physio Accelerator Facebook page and leave a question there or email team at the Physio Accelerator.